Welcome to the Self Performance Strategies Podcast Deep Dive Session 1 with Clint Murphy. This is a slightly different episode. I'm having a deep one on one conversation with a successful individual. Clint is blowing up recently on Twitter. He has over 135,000 followers. He is a real estate investor and he is at the top of his powers within his career in the financial world. In this conversation, in this deep dive one-on-one conversation, we're going to talk about what inspired him to get off the sofa and moving towards success. What was his performance origins? Welcome to the Self-Performance Strategies Podcast. Unlocking the secrets of self-performance so you can improve mentally, emotionally, and physically. The goal of this podcast is to help you create more freedom of time, money, and purpose. My name is Stephen, and I am your host. I believe there is always an easier way, and I am here to help you find it. Let's jump in to the SPS podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome. Welcome to the 16th episode of the Self-Performance Strategies podcast, and this episode is a little different. This is a deep dive episode, an episode that I'm calling Performance Origins, where I'm going to interview other successful people and ask about their journeys. And today, my first ever guest for this deep dive podcast is a fellow Vancouverite, Clint Murphy, who's been blowing up lately on Twitter. He's got some fantastic threads, so we'll we'll link his at in the uh, notes below. But who is Clint? Clint is a husband, a father of two young boys. By day, he is a chief financial officer, and in the evening, he reads, invests, writes fantasy novels, which we'll probably talk about, and hosts a fantastic podcast called The Pursuit of Learning, and I'll put that in the notes below. But jumping into it, Clint. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me. How are you on this fine summer's day? Thank you, Steve. I am doing super well right now on last day, I guess, of vacation with my family. So we've been up here in a Soyuz for people that are listening that may not know much about Vancouver. (laughs) We're about four or five hours outside of Vancouver in a very hot desert-like climate. So really enjoying the wine country water in the beaches wine country exactly right yes that is that is fantastic well clint i'm I'm super happy to have you on on the podcast i'm super happy to have you here to have this conversation where we're going to explore self-performance what 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 is the performance origins deep dive all about well i I want to take you on a journey clint i want to ask you questions and get in get into the nitty-gritty about your own self-performance your struggles your successes what you've done to get where you are uh, in your life today. So to start, before I get a bit of a background story on you and, and let you sort of riff on that, I, I wanna ask you as an opening question, what, what would be your personal self-performance philosophy? Get shit done. Get shit done. So if, if I, I have Because my, my minds don't do dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, Steve, I mean, you and I have been in a lot of, for, for the listeners, Twitter has a function called Spaces, Social yes. Audio Media Room. People may be more familiar with Clubhouse, similar thing. And, and the number one thing that has allowed me to succeed in life. Now, there's a lot of things I've improved along the way. The number one thing is I've always had 
an extraordinarily high bias to action. Mm-hmm. So I do have I do have ADHD that I deal with yeah. in an unmedicated way. And so my mind is always running a thousand miles a minute in multiple directions. One thing I do differently than I think a lot of people with ADHD don't do is take action on which of those thoughts I think are best. I love it. And then go hard at that area. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Yeah, I just want to want to pick that apart quickly because I was Let's when you it. say you take action on on those thoughts, and you know, I wanted to give you time to talk about your journey, but I just wanted to jump straight into this because that was really interesting. Because I, I saw, I don't know, I'm I'm on on diagnosed with that, but I'm pretty sure I'm a squirrel on a in a, in a you know <laughs> chasing nuts constantly. So I, I might have something like that. But how do you? How do you choose what you think is the most important um, idea to go after? What, what, what process do you have then to be like, well, that's the one? The So what I've done for that is, one, I've learned to quiet my mind over time, right? So yeah. I, I, I've learned through cognitive behavioral therapy or through meditation, mm-hmm. through sitting in stillness and paying attention to where I want to go and then being very deliberate about it. Mm. So you've often heard me say, this is how I view life. Know what you want, understand what it takes, do the work day in, day out. My son narrowed it down for me. Know what you want, have a plan, do it. It really is that simple, right? I've been teaching him this since he was nine years old. He's 14 right now. He is going to slay everything I've ever done in life. And I'm super proud of him for that because he's using that. And so I sit down and I build out a 10 year plan. Where do I wanna be 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. I've talked to you, I've talked to others who do the seven, you know, when I'm 70 and I'm looking back, I want no regrets. What will my life have looked like? And they, and you're one of my other close friends on my podcast does the same thing as you. And so he builds his life today for that person. And so I do it for 10 years and I say, where do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? How do I need to get there? I have six categories I want to focus on. For each of those categories, I create a sub plan. What things do I, what does success look like? How will I get to that success? What's the roadmap? What education, if any, do I need to take? And what's the one year plan? Mm. And then I go to work on it. Love it, love it. I, I, yeah, I, I could, we could just jump in and start dissecting that, Let's do it. and we could just <laughs> just go after that because I, I'm a massive, massive fan of creating those bumpers in your life, creating those guardrails, and you create those guardrails by having a conversation with your future self and asking your future self, well, what do you want life to look like? What are you trying to? achieve what's your ultimate scenario and I, I love that that you've got was it you said it was five pillars or six pillars that you go after yeah i have so so it's it i'll separate that into two different things i have five areas that i focus on for life mm-hmm. and, and this is what i always talk about with my podcasts with this concept and and i wish i had trademarked this but Keisha Blair has this, the concept of holistic wealth. To me, that's emotional or mental, 
emotional, spiritual, physical, financial. If I'm operating optimally in all five of those areas, I'm wealthy. Within my life plan, which is more focused on what does Clint want to be doing on a daily basis, when I eventually evolve, I'm now using Serena Williams' term because I always said retire. My friend pointed out from what you described to me, it sounds like you'll be working more than you already are. So I, when I evolve into my own future self, I look at it and I will write, I will podcast, public speaking, coaching and consulting, private equity and real estate investing. Those are the five areas that I will pursue for my mission, purpose, financial wealth. And those are the five areas that I've built a very detailed plan around. So when you, when you look at my one year goal sheet, it has the five areas yeah. and it had, and it incorporates in those five areas, the five pillars of my future self. And so usually I have about eight or nine big blocks of what's Clint focusing on for the next year. And I don't actually visit that on a, on a regular basis, because what I do is it, it, and this is something you and I share as well, is I break that down by year and then by quarter. And then I say, okay, all the way down to, well, what daily habits do I need to have to hit that? Yeah. And as long as I behave on a daily basis in the way that is going to drive to those goals, I probably only need to reevaluate quarterly every six months, every year. Now for our listeners, if you haven't developed the habits yet that lead to that long-term success, you need to probably reevaluate daily, weekly, monthly, until you establish a track record of setting a goal, creating a plan, achieving it. Yeah. The more you do those three things, set a goal, create a plan, achieve the plan, over and over and over, the more you establish the ability to set, as, as you said in the past to me, and I, and I align with people on this, you set the North Star, you create the direction, and you turn it from a very detailed plan into a compass. Mm -hmm. So now I don't have a roadmap. I have a compass that tells me the direction I'm going and I get it done. Yeah. And like you, Stephen, you're evolving as you get closer. Yeah. So you're never there. No, you're getting, you're getting close and oh, let's push it out. Yeah. We're going in that direction, but we're not done. And we're so not, that was a we're not chasing that. We're not chasing that. We're not chasing that. We're, we're that the ideal is always changing because we're always growing, but we're always, exactly. we're, we're always celebrating where we're coming from. Exactly. So yeah. and, and the more people do this, what they're going to see is this is important to me. You're going to realize the goals you set are almost always too small. Mm, yes. I've set goals for myself that are audacious, right? By the end of this year, I want 250,000 followers on Twitter. I love it. By the end of next year, December, 2023, I want 100 or sorry, 1 million followers on social. That's a good goal. We can talk about how that's going to happen. 
And I'm thinking it's audacious. I'm thinking it's crazy. And I know there's a strong chance I'm thinking too small. Could be, yeah. It, and it happens always because when you when, when when you set the goal and then you create the plan and then you do the work, you almost always overachieve. And so why not push yourself to have even bigger, stretchier, harder, more challenging and fun goals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, lot of great stuff that you've unpacked there. I, I'm, I'm currently like scanning my brain that the world and I dive in on that. And uh, because I, I wanted to actually give you an opportunity to talk about where your journey is and where you were coming from, but you really hit on those five key areas. And I was trying to scribble them down about your, your, your coaching, your consulting, your, your real estate, your podcast. Those are the, the, the sort of the, the, the bumpers or so to speak, the goals that you have. Uh, but the other thing that you said that I was like nodding my head so much when you were saying it was like building that capability. Too many people set goals without any data points in their past to show that they can actually do the goal they're about to do. And and they're, they, you, you don't understand that you're a rolling average of everything you've done before. And then, you know, we go back to a really basic example, New Year's Eve, and someone's like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. But they haven't been to the gym for a year, so they have no data points to prove that that actual habit is going to happen. And then after, you know, June, January 15th or whatever, after the New Year's Eve, they've dropped that habit because it was too much of a leap from where they were, where their rolling average was, to where they were trying to go. And they don't build that capability of creating a plan, acting on the plan, getting getting that shit done, if that makes sense. So that capability is massive. And when you talk about the 10X, or you talk about the future version of yourself, the other thing I just want to jump in, I'll let you you respond, is when we set those massive goals, a lot of times we set quantitative goals. But it's the standards or the quality or the emotions that we have to change that allow us to get to those quantitative goals. So when you set that million followers, and at the moment right now, you're like, oh my God, how am I going to do that? Or you might be thinking that might be too small. You set a quantitative goal, but the way you change that is being qualitative in your day, the standards you set, how you show up, the goals you have, the the things that you tolerate, that has to shift if you're going to hit those big goals. Uh, so there's like a, 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 a like a lever that has to happen. And then if you don't set big, crazy goals in your life, you're not forcing yourself to change your standards on a daily basis, which means your self-performance isn't going to improve because those big goals force you to become a better person. Yes. And you nailed something right there at the end that I really want to focus in on people. I don't want people to hear what I'm saying to you and think I need to establish a goal to get to 500,000 follows in a year Mm -hmm. or to complete an Ironman next month, right? And that's a word I'm going to going to be working on eliminating from my vocabulary. So when I catch myself saying that word, I'm going to call it out. Yeah. That's one of the little things I do. You always have to have your quirks. Yeah. The For a lot of people, the goal they should have is much simpler right now. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson, make your bed. Yeah. Right? Why is that their goal? 
because they haven't achieved anything yet and they haven't established a track record yep. and they haven't established consistency. So we often talk with people who are starting out and saying, what I'd like you to focus on is the simplest thing you can pick a spot on the wall where there's an indentation every day at a specific time that you set, look at that spot on the wall for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. After 30 days, report back to me. Yeah. All we're trying to teach them there. And so remember at the start of the conversation, when you said, what's your one superpower? I said, it's get shit done. Yeah. What's your philosophy? I call yeah. this building your get shit done muscle. muscle. Yeah. Because that staring at that wall for 30 seconds, it teaches me, wait, I've done that for 30 days in a row. I can achieve a goal. Yeah. All right. Good job. Report back. Now what we're going to get you to do is for 30 days in a row, I want you to go for a 30-minute walk. Yeah. That's it. You're going to walk around the block for 30 minutes with your dog. Your dog's going to love you way more. You're going to be healthier. You're not going to be hurting yourself. You're not going to be stretching. I mean, sure, if you have really crazy physical ailments, a 30-minute walk a day may be challenging. Listen to a podcast while you're doing it. Bring a notebook and write down your thoughts. No music, no conversation. You and either learning or, or almost a meditative walk with a journal. Do that for 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Oh, that went well? All right. The next 30 minute, the next 30 days, I want you to walk for 30 minutes and I want you to add in a, if, well, no, we're not even going to increase the time. I no. want you to do a 15 minute walk, seven and a half minute walk, 15 minute jog, very lightly. Yeah. Or a five minute warm up run, jog, or five minute warm up walk, sorry. 15 minutes where you do four minute jog, one minute walk, five minute walk, cool down. Yeah. All right. And then we just keep iterating every 30 days. Stacking. And, and that person's building from nothing to something. Yeah. And where we can really learn this, you know, and I'm incorporating a bunch of what you said at the beginning and thinking about, okay, well, how did I develop this mindset? Where did I get it? What was yes. the lesson? Where was I failing? That's where I was and so I'm go. tying this all together for you for the story. If I rewind the clock 14 years ago, I'm 30, I'm achieving moderate success financially, somewhat, mm -hmm. career, somewhat. And I'm never really achieving the big goals that I have in life. Yeah. I'm doing what a lot of people do. I'm achieving marathons in my head. I'm completing Ironmans in my mind. I'm picturing myself cross the finish line while I'm on the couch eating a pint of ice cream, <laughs> right? I'm heavy. I'm out of shape. And we're at a friend's birthday party, and one of the women is talking about a run she did. And she's talking to me because she knows I used to run. And I'm congratulating her. And another friend, I'm using quotation marks on the video as I talk to Steve, <laughs> chimes in, you can't do that anymore. Ooh. And 
being a competitive guy, I, yeah. I throw down and say, sure, I could. And he immediately says, well, let's have a bet. Yeah. And here's where it stings. You're in Vancouver like me. A couple months later, the bet is due. I got to pay the rent. I probably can't, but I'm going to get myself to try. And it snows. And so he calls me and he says, hey, it's snowing. I'll let you off. Besides, the look in your eyes when you took the bet was enough for me. Now, right right there, that's a pretty poor friend. Yeah. Right? Who who delights in the in the in in the upset of their friends? And I was laying in bed that night with my wife. And I was just traumatized. I was still getting my triathlon triathlon magazines from back when I was doing triathlon. And I saw that Calgary had their inaugural half Ironman. And I looked at my wife and I said, I'm signing up for this. I had family in Calgary. We'll go visit them. We'll say hi. And I'm going to run this race. And she's like, yeah, sure. And she said, yeah, sure. In the way she always said, yeah, sure. Yeah, because Clint sure. <laughs> always had goals and he never achieved them. Yeah. So she didn't believe me. Yeah. And, and Steve, I didn't, I didn't go out the next day and run 10 K or ride my bike for an hour or swim for two hours i bought a pair of running shoes i took my bike in the shop to get tuned up and i signed up for a class to overcome my fear of the water yeah right i took Small baby things. steps yeah tiny habits yeah and, and that's what it was it was seven habits of highly effective people yeah i saw the end goal and i worked back and, and this is why i always talk about this what's the goal yeah. create the plan i worked backwards and i actually one of the first things i bought back at the time uh, franklin covey had a uh, uh, an application we didn't even call the map so i'm trying to i'm struggling to figure out the right word to use from yeah. what we had back then it was an extension to your outlook yeah and so it overlaid onto your outlook the frank franklin covey planning journal yeah and so the goal was the iron man i worked my way back a year later i was 30 pounds lighter i completed a half iron man Brilliant. a year after that i was another 10 20 pounds lighter and i i completed an iron man that was my lesson if i can go from an overweight out of shape couch potato to an iron man in under two years i can achieve whatever the f i want I love that. Right? I can take the physical and I can turn it into the financial. I can turn it into the spiritual, mental, emotional. Yeah. All I have to do is know what I want and I'm going to get it. And that was the first time I learned it and not the last. So yeah. that was what you, one of the things you asked was, well, where did this come from? Well, yeah. A, I, I was fat and out of shape, right? Call a spade a spade. Uh, it was bad. That was the gutter. Yeah to climb out of the gutter any big win in life that i've had has come from getting um sh shit kicked maybe uh being down in the gutter being beat up be uh, the loss right you lose yeah. and you come out of that loss and say am i going to turn this loss into a win yeah it's it's the emotional hits that we take i mean i, I something i i'm very very focused on and, and, and i look back in my own success journey and actually what I help my clients with as well is, is I, I, I don't start on the adding on. I start on removing the dumb shit. 
Yes. At. And the, and the dumb shit for me, you know, when you were fat and on that sofa and your that so-called friend was teasing you, around about that same, because we're roughly about the same age, around about that time period, the back end of my 30s, uh, 20s or early 30s, I was partying and drinking and going out to techno clubs and still acting like I was 21 and 31, you know what I mean, I was an idiot. But I, I didn't, you know, start off by or change my life by all of a sudden going to the gym three times a week or all of a sudden, you know, becoming a, a deep learner in some subject. I, I improved my life because I looked at the dumb shit and I went, I'm not doing that dumb shit anymore. And the capability of stopping what's slowing you down and you can go a couple of weeks and be like, well, I've, I've, or months, and you're like, oh my God, I don't do that anymore. And you're like, well, what now then can I add? And I think a problem that a lot of people do is you mentioned it when you went out and bought your bike or you got your bike fixed and you sign up for class, you start up with small, tiny micro steps in your self-performance journey, which is amazing that you did that. It's, it's so intuitive. I don't, maybe you can tell me how you thought about that or whether that just came naturally for you. But I think a ma massive problem for a lot of people, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of anybody just in general with their self-performance is they go really big with their habit change way too quickly. They open all these loops, they put way too much expectations on themselves, and then they just end up failing. So with that, with that I'll ask, you know, what was the, what was the thinking behind you? Know, you're on your sofa, you're eating that ice cream, where did this idea come from to take it one bite at a time? You're eating that elephant and you're eating it one bite at a time. How did that come to you? What was the, was it fluke? Was it just because you're already in personal development or what, what, what was the thinking behind that? Cause that, that is such an intuitive step to take. Those are, those are, it's like a, that's a genius almost to take it like that in my opinion. And this is you and I were chatting off air before we started recording and this is where writing a writing a, a piece about what Stephen Covey says or what Jeff Bezos says, this is where they become important. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these ideas that you have or I have or thought leaders have, mm -hmm. none of them are original. No. <laughs> that was from Stephen Covey. Yeah. That's that's why the next thing I did was buy that Franklin Covey add-on. Because I said, well, wait, like, I know I've read how to achieve goals. James Clear hadn't come out yet. Nope. And you and I both say, well, James, James Clear's book and what he writes about is really just an extension of that one or two uh, uh, habits from Stephen Covey. It's Stephen Covey, uh, B, uh, B, BJ Fogg's work, and Charles Duhiggy. The, the book habits so he, he took like the, these really technical ideas and put them in a fantastic easy to digest book genius work yeah genius genius but nothing original and none yeah. of those guys are were original original before yeah I mean, no. aristotle yeah came up with this thousands of years ago we are what we repeatedly do excellence therefore is not an action but habits yep right so aristotle change your habits become excellent yeah, and Aristotle probably got it from somebody else. Yeah, we just don't it, know that person because it was probably passed down through dialogue before before the written word. Before the written word, and that's where because he would have learned it from someone. Yeah. And when you read the Stoics, when you read the Buddhists, when when you read the the Greeks, 
all these ideas were there. And so where do where do you get it? I read a lot. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, it used to be all fiction and then it became 80% fiction, 20% non. Now it's close to 100% nonfiction. Yeah. A sprinkling in of, uh, of a fantasy novel here and there. So reading, going back to that seven habits, I said, well, he has the concept of chunking. I said, well, if this is my one-year goal, what, is, what does Covey say I need to do? He said, well, I need to break that down into quarterly goals. I need to take those quarterly goals. I need to break them down into monthly. I need to take those monthly, break them down into weekly. Mm -hmm. I need to take those weekly and break them down into daily. Love it. And so that was right at that. That's straight from him. And I think that's my recollection is, is start with the end and then componentize or chunk all the way down to today. So I, so I said, okay, well, I've read that and, and I know it resonated with me. Why don't I act on it? Why don't I have my bias to action and, and start taking what I read and, and acting? And this is one of the reasons I've realized that any book you read, any course you take, all you need out of it is one yep. thing you can action on. Yes. And if you do that one thing, you're going to be better for it. When you read books, but you don't act on any of it, did you really read the book? Mm, Did you really add value to your life? If you never talk to anyone about it, you don't even remember it, and you don't act on any of it. Yeah. How did uh, you change your life, right? So pick one or two or three things from every book and say, how am I going to act on this in my life? And if you read 50 books a year and you act on one, two, or three things from all 50, wow. Yeah. you're going to really improve your life. Yeah. So that was Stephen that was Stephen Covey uh, on that one. And, and then the realization from there was, okay, this worked there. And so everything since I've done that same thing. Even even Stephen know what I want, understand what it takes, do the work day in day out or goal, plan, action. Yeah. I, I thought I came up with that from reading this, this, and this, and this. <laughs> then I watched a video of Ray Dalio talking to uh, P. Diddy or Sean Combs, right? Yeah. Sean Combs met him at a dinner, thought, I need to learn from this guy. So even multimillionaires or billionaires like Sean Combs see someone who's ahead of them and say, I need to learn from this person. Yeah. So they were filming these series of short YouTube clips where Ray would go to Sean's house and they would have a chat and Sean would pepper him with questions. And then he listed his four point framework. Know what you want, understand what obstacles are in your way, understand how you can overcome them. Yeah. Do it. And I realized my three point framework was his four point framework but I'd combine the two middle ones into have a plan instead of saying, know the obstacles in your way and how to overcome them. Just have a plan. Right. And, and I was, where did I get that? I read principles before it was a book. His, uh, hard to solve a problem circle. The, 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 yeah, he had it as a PDF on his website. Yes. 15 plus years ago. So I read it in, I read it in 2010. Yes. 
I, I read it shortly before I did that Iron Man. So yeah. that Iron Man was a combo of him and Covey. Yes, I, I, I reference his, uh, his Ray Dalio was kind of like how to solve a problem. Yeah. Um, sort of loop. Uh, so much so that I actually have a, a concept that I use in my coaching practice. Uh, I call it the, it's a mental model. It's, it's a, I call it the, the, the loop of performance. And part of the loop of performance is that you've actually got to go back and fix your emotional shit before you can loop forward. You've got to go back and fix your floor before you can raise your ceiling. Or as you're raising your ceiling, you need to fix your floor. So I, I, I like that what you're saying, but I, that, that, that all, the whole, that's why I referenced with Ray Dalio with that loop, it made me think about that. But you, you're correct. I have my, my steps are, are you know, sort out your, your, your vision and direction, you know, focus on how, to, how you're going to get results. And then once you get results, optimize and simplify to make it easier for you to get those, you know, so yeah, there's a, I have a little bit of a, a step like that. I call it the pro step where it's like performance, sort your performance and your vision out before you do anything, get that going, then get your results cooking. Then once you get some results cooking, you're getting that feedback look happening. How can you optimize those, simplify those, adapt that? You can almost call it Tesla and adapt. It's just like a, a loop. Um, yes, and you just yes. keep, you just, test learn adapt you just keep going at it and, and, and i just think that's so huge because like going off a bit here but one of the number one things i see wrong or when people reach out to me for you know jump on a call with me or they're looking for help i i notice that people don't have their vision clear they don't have a clear vision they don't know what they're doing this quarter next six months or a year and this is reasonably successful six-figure or higher business owners they've got lost in the busy work and they also don't have their their their, their why built so they're missing out in these two foundational sort of tools the the why pushing them forward getting them out of bed in the morning and and, and their vision and direction pulling them forward so they've got this sort of magnet pulling them and this force pushing them and you speak to them for 10 or 15 minutes on a call and you ask them a couple of questions and you just automatically can see yeah you don't have any bumpers you don't you don't have this these guardrails set up in your life you don't have that three-step process that you're following you've kind of got to a point where you just kind of got a bit lost and going back to you on the sofa eating ice cream you had success you were working in you've been working in the financial area for pretty much your whole career and you're probably on a decent six-figure wage at that point 14 years ago but you kind of got lost you're just sort of in that comfort zone that that, that the 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 mediocre trap or whatever we want to call it the sort of like the comfortability of what the way that life provides us when we get into those that, that type of job so uh with that, with saying that, you know, kind of circling back in, because I, I love the fact that you picked up that process from Stephen Covey and Ray, Ray Dalio. But how have you, are you still using that as your go-to? Or are you refining that as you're going on and taking on biggest, bigger challenges? Because like, where you where you were 14 years ago to who you are today, like we've had a couple of conversations privately, like walking dogs, we've been on spaces together. What you're doing, you're, you've got so much on, like almost, I, I'm like, how do you do it? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, but are you still refining that process or is it really just, just that simple for you? Because for me, it is really just that simple. Test, learn, adapt. It's sort your vision, why, sort your performance out, get that results and optimize. You know, go through those three steps of pro performance results, optimize. That just to me makes sense. And then you can go really deep in each of those categories. Obviously, you can spend hours in each of those categories, weeks, months. But is it just that simple for you? Has it always been that simple, and is it continuing to be that simple of that of that sort of process that you have that you've been talking about? Yes and no, and and this is where you take it to step two of the journey. Of the journey. Okay. 
Step one, I learned how to do hard shit. Great. Now I can do hard shit. I can achieve anything I want. And I was still plugged into the matrix. And here's where I think 98% of humanity is. Okay. I was programmed. I didn't know how to think for myself. Mm, And one of the number one quotes that we we've shared on the pursuit of learning podcast is until we bring the subconscious into the conscious, we will forever be led by it and call it fate, Carl Jung. And this is talking about shadow work. And so we fast forward three or four years from that Ironman, or maybe two or three years. And I had the opportunity to meet with an industrial psychologist to see where my career is going at work. The testing doesn't go the way I'd like. And I end up actually mutually agreeing with that employer that I'll move on. Oh, wow. The, that must have been a kick. That's a big struggle. So it was, it was a gut kick. At the yeah. time, you, you live in Vancouver with me. We had bought a pre-sale. We were coming up on, a, on having to close on that home. We hadn't sold the home we were in. The market was tightening. Yeah. It was a scary time to choose to leave a career. And the industrial psychologist did me a big favor. They recommended, again, five to 10 books they think they thought I should read. You, I've already talked to you about my bias to action. Within two weeks, I'd read the books. Wow. Right? And the second book I recommend more the most is Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy. Yeah. And I was, I was talking with a friend on social yesterday in the dms i'd recommended this book to her for a year she's reading it now she's keyed in on a certain area of the book that she thinks will help her she said what did you think about this section my response was the only part of the book that sticks out for me is the part that changed my life and that part was (laughs) learning to recognize the monkey mind yeah So anytime I had a thought, the book taught me thought auditing, stoicism. For those who don't know, cognitive behavioral therapy, which feeling good, the new mood therapy is based on. Stoicism was the predecessor to CBT. So the two founders of CBT credited stoicism. So thought auditing, you have the thought, write it down. Beside it, write five more logical thoughts. Come back to it 10 minutes later and say, which is more likely what you're learning to do is recognize that your thoughts are almost always wrong. Yes. They're almost always driven by the wrong impulses. Mm -hmm. And eventually you start to recognize it in others. When it first happened, I would go into meetings and someone would say something, you know, along the lines of, well, Steven said this, and that means he's thinking this. And I started giggling out loud because I realized it was their monkey mind verbalizing not logical thought. And so I learned to largely eliminate or minimize my monkey mind. Yes. And so what changed there, Stephen, was now I was thinking for me. It stopped being my monkey mind. It started being Clint. And once I was able to control my thinking, now the world changed because I'd already developed my get shit done muscle. Now I could develop my get shit 
now I could use my get shit done muscle to complete what I wanted. So I started thinking longer term. I started creating bigger roadmaps. And then the last step was I was in a, I joined a men's group when I was in my late thirties. So five years ago, I'd say. And we're in a meeting and they have this exercise where we stare each other in the eyes and, and we say something. And it's supposed to be confrontational because a lot of, a lot of men can't get into confrontation with other men. It makes them very uncomfortable, so they avoid it. And so it's teaching you to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And I would giggle every time we did it because I thought, okay, well, I, I've, I've lived a reasonably successful life. I, w- I was a scrapper growing up because I was you know, lower middle class and, and tended to be in a pretty scrappy family. And so I said to the leader of that group, why do I giggle every time we do this? And whether he knew it or not, he changed my life with this next sentence. Maybe you don't take yourself seriously enough. And maybe other people don't either. It was a gut kick. I went back to work and I I talked to people on my team and I said, do you take me seriously? Do I take myself seriously? Mm -hmm. And again, I looked at every book on the recommended reading list for that men's circle and I read them all. Yeah. Within the next six months, I went from having just started in that group to co-leading one of my own. My partner was feeling a little overwhelmed. He had a lot of work on that he was trying to achieve. So I started leading it. I led that group for a year, Mm -hmm. read a ton more books on shadow work, psychology, emotional health, Mm. men's work, took some professional courses on shadow work. I have two boys. At the Mm -hmm. time they were, they were 11 and eight. And I realized I need these two to be better men than I am. Mm. And I don't even know what being a good man means. Yeah. I know that manhood is good. I know that being a good man is good. And, and I know that manhood itself isn't toxic. Toxic people are toxic. Exactly. And so I need them to be good men. What does that look like? Let me do the work. Let me understand it. Let me teach them how to be good men, good people, good citizens, and how to lead a successful life. So I need to know how to do it for them to do it. So, so it started as simply build a get shit done muscle. Mm-hmm. And then it became fix my thinking. Yes. So when you say, Clint, if you're going to write a book, I mean, part one, you are what you think. Your thinking is flawed. Fix your thinking. Yeah. Here's how you do it. Part two, know what you want. Understand what it takes. Get shit done. That's the book. Yeah. Take you through how to fix your thinking. Get you then to how to achieve whatever you want. Then we're going to talk about what should you want? That's the five pillars, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, financial. Those are the three parts, right? You need to fix your thinking. You need to prioritize your, your five areas in life. And then you need to know how to go after what you're going to get. Those are the three parts for me. 
Yeah. Now that I say it, at some point I should write it. You should. The, <laughs> and one of the things I saw in that men's work, because if you imagine the people that are coming, I'm, I'm a bit older at the time, I'm 42. A lot of them are in their 20s, early yeah. 30s. Couple 19 year olds, let's say. You nailed it. Number one reason most of them were there. No vision. Yeah. No purpose. No mission. No goals. Goals they have, they don't achieve. Yeah. They're stuck in all the traps. Dopamine, dumb shit. Porn. Yeah. Doing dumb shit. Don't have a relationship. Don't know how to get get Low a reserve levels. Uh, which I was going to touch on because I think that's something that you've gone through with that man's group, with that staring competition, you, you you realize when you were giggling that you weren't taking yourself seriously because you probably had low deserve levels. You probably didn't feel like you deserved the success that you had. You probably didn't feel like you deserved what you're, what you're trying to create in your life. And I, I suffered from that uh, at parts of my um, life because I would joke a lot in serious situations. I would joke a lot under pressure. I, I almost, not almost, I would self-sabotage in interviews for key jobs because I had a low deserve level. I didn't think I deserved to be get a promotion, get to the next level. So I'd be kicking the can around for years in this sort of like, shit. And then I'm like, oh crap, I actually don't believe in myself. I don't think I actually, I'm smart enough to get to the next level. I had emotional issues. And this is something that I, big, Big something I talk about quite a lot. I kind of go against the question I want to ask you as well in a bit here. But my I push back against a lot of the standard productivity and performance information online because a lot of it is bullshit surface level crap. You know, when you want to improve and you go online, the first thing you get is like a medium post about how to like be more productive. That doesn't help you improve yourself being more productive it's, yeah cool you can answer all your notifications now in 30 minutes because you're batching but did those notifications even need to be answered in the first place it's like it, it it trains you to actually focus on the wrong things in a way and my view on on performance is that every leap forward that you have to make is an emotional leap first it's fixing the inside first as you were talking about the thoughts in your head i i was i read a book or listened to a book a while back called mindsight it's like mindset but it was mindsight and it talked about that sort of like your initial thoughts aren't actually real thoughts going back to what you were saying and, and i drew when i actually listened to that book i actually drew on a piece of paper squiggles and then i drew a line and then i drew a heart below it and my initial thoughts are squiggle and bullshit i've got to wait a second not speak ignore the squiggles and move down to my heart and actually get a heart answer. So it's a very similar process at fear setting. We could have like stoicism, that idea of like putting out rational thoughts out. But it was just this idea of like that first response, the first thing that we do is a squiggle. It's just mess. And so many people live their whole lives at that higher level squiggle. That mess. Yes. yes. They that, never that, cut through the noise. They never cut through the noise and, and, and figure out their why, their emotions, their goals, or, or connect to their true purpose of themselves. So I, I love, really love talking to you about that because I, I, I'm listening to you and I'm just like nodding my head and I know this is just audio, but I'm nodding my head as you're talking about 
you know, figuring out how to be better so you can teach your sons to be better, which I think is just, it's what, what, what a why. That's such a great why, um, Clint. I think it's, it's, it's so important. But yeah, I, I fully agree with what you're saying. I, I really like that perspective about questioning those first thoughts. Uh, and, and I'll go back to that. I want to, with that question, I want to ask you about that deserve levels. When you had that initial thought, when you were talking to people around you and you're getting that feedback and you read those other books, did you have deserve level issues? Did you have emotional issues that you knew that you were self-sabotaging yourself? Are those what those books helped you get over? I want to dive deeper into that. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Is So what I've developed over time is I have very, very high self-confidence, mm-hmm. right? And why do I have the self-confidence? Because I get shit done. Yeah, I haven't really met anything that I've desired to do that I didn't do. So the self-confidence is high. The self-regard is zero. Okay. So I did an Ironman. So what? Oh, huh. that's, that's low. To- <laughs> so, so, uh, so I have a, a fair amount of wealth. So what? So I have a wonderful wife. So what? So I have two great boys. So what? I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. That's no I don't even level. deserve what I have. Yeah. I'm going to lose it all. How do I even have this job? How did someone choose me to be a CFO? I have huge imposter syndrome. syndrome yeah. It's massive. I'm talking to you right now, and I think I'm an idiot, and people are going to listen to this, and they're going to be like, <laughs> who is this damn bozo, and why is Steve talking to him? I have no idea. I'm kidding. And then I I play it back. And I say to myself, wait, that guy sounds like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He sounds like he has done things. And Steve, last night, I was driving back from Penticton. We had our family photo shoot. And whenever you talk about this, obviously it brings up the emotion because what we're going to get into is the why, right? Yeah. We're driving back from Penticton family photo shoot we do every year, um, and we're, my wife turns on a podcast, my podcast, and she's listening to it. She just finished an episode that I'd done. She's like, oh, I didn't listen to this episode. I'm going to listen to it. We're halfway through it. It's an hour-long drive. And I say to her, am I any good at this? <laughs> episode 53 yeah and she's listening to it and she says yeah yeah you are i say well that's take out the impartiality i mean you're my yeah. wife right and she's like well i'm always impartial yeah <laughs> my wife has no problem telling be, me yeah be, being you know 98 yeah. of the time it's what i'm shit at steve yeah. which probably feeds into that low self-regard the so, the, <laughs> so she's like no like yeah if you were bad at it i'd tell you you shouldn't yeah. do it so 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 right there you're like oh okay there's there's one point of validity right or or you and i are in spaces and people message us after because we, we, we used to do a bunch together, I think, yeah. before we both started burning out on them. Yes. And, and they say, hey, we love listening to you, too. Like, you really help us. And so we know deep down that we do know what we're doing. And I think what has helped, and, and for our listeners, I'll point out something. One of, one of my guests, 
taught me this and it was very important i think because i i do always like to as much as we can break down that gap between men and women for success men and women suffer from imposter syndrome equally yeah men push through it more and Mm. so for the women that are listening i like you suffer from it greatly you're hearing steve and i talk about it and i'll share why i do um as, as as we get close to winding down and steve i just push through it yeah so the i didn't think anyone would want to listen to me on twitter i didn't think anyone would want to listen to me on a podcast and i said i'm gonna do it you just push through yeah and then you do succeed where does that come from the shadow work right i my brother was 13 months older than me my parents held him back in grade one so we were in the same grade our entire lives i was always the small kid he would have been a big kid in his class now you put him back a year it was like i was in class with the hulk uh, <laughs> giant giant of it, andre the giant for those people who are, <laughs> who are can remember the eighties, uh, right? Uh, or the Rock, right? Rock, like just yeah, a, there's just a modern a, one. Just a giant, game. right? A stash yeah. looks like a seventeen-year-old when he's in grade eight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my dad would always, whenever I would do anything, like I won a race or I played hockey for eight straight hours, be like, "Dad, this is what I did." I'd say, "Well, did your brother do it with you?" Was your brother there? Mm. He would never say, I'm proud of you, son. Yeah. And so the realization for me, Steve, and I wrote a poem at it about it that makes me cry every time I read it. He never affirmed me as an individual. Yeah. Now I know my dad loved me. He told me he yes. loved me every day of my life. And I love him and I'm proud of him. And it's a great relationship today. And, and I don't think it was ever a bad relationship with me and him. He just never affirmed me. Mm. And I don't think he knew that saying, was your brother there? Did your brother play? How'd your brother do? Did you guys invite your brother? I don't think he ever realized how much that damaged me psychologically. Because yeah. all it ever told me was, holy shit. No matter what I've done in life, I'm not good enough for my dad. So the rest of my life was, I'm going to become rich. I'm going to, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get a killer job. I'm going to have a great family. Yeah. I'm going to physically dominate the world. Like I will be an Ironman. I'll run marathons. I'll lift a thousand pounds. I'll, yeah. like. I was killing myself. I I was running all out all the time Chasing. to achieve everything. And all I wanted was my dad to say, I'm proud of you. Yep. That was it. That's and the that's... worst part was him always saying, why are you, son, like I, I worry about you. Why are you pushing yourself so hard? Yeah. And I didn't know to say, cause I want you to say you're proud of me. Yep. That and that's that's massive. The fact that you had that realization, because I, I have to admit, I have had a similar realization in my own life, is that a lot of the things I was chasing was to create a world 
were people who aren't consciously aware enough to give me the love that I need for them to give me that love. And it's not because they're lesser people and it's not because I don't love my parents or think they're fantastic people and they give me great advantage. It's just they're, they don't, they didn't know how to express the exact emotions that I needed uh, at, at that point in my life. Uh, and then I spent part of my life chasing, well, if I make a ton of money, if I get a big house, if I have a fancy car, they'll all of a sudden start talking to me differently. All of a sudden I'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll get the right kind of response from them. But then you realize that you're looking for an external response from somebody who might not be emotionally mature enough or uh, consciously, or, you know, spiritually mature enough to actually give you that response. And the only real response that you're looking for is from within you. That's the person that has to give you. It's it's you. It's it's, it's oh. you get you get that from inside you. Oh yeah. Uh, and your measurements are all wrong. And that's that's actually one of my keys to self performance. I love where we've gone. This conversation we've got deep because uh, again, a big mistake people make in self performance. And you you mentioned something like 10x. They think it's numbers. But it's actually the emotions. It's it's you. It's 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 the inside. It's how how do, what how do you define success? How how are you measuring success? And if we're saying that oh I want to get a big house because I want my dad to say I'm proud of me, that's probably never going to happen. But if you say I want a big house because I just fucking want it, uh, boom, I just want it. Yes. No other reason. I just want it because I want to experience life. I want to experience this reality in the best possible way that I can. And I want that. And you can put a why behind it with your family, with your spiritual growth or whatever capabilities you want to put behind it. But at the end of the day, you need to switch from needing these outside external validations because you'll never get that. And you switch to wanting. And that's to me is one of the, the most important cornerstones of self-performance. So I love that you had that realization. I love that you have the the bravery to talk about it as well, Clint, because there's a lot of people just don't have this podcast. I don't know how many people are going to listen to it, but to have the bravery to speak that deep emotional story out into, into the public is, is shows that you've got a very high deserve level. And, and thank you for sharing that. Thanks, brother. And, and in, so for me, in summary, when I look at it for people, if they're on their journey, those, those are the real three big parts is understand your shadow. What's subconsciously driving you in life? And what are your demon, demons? Because when we get the demons on the table, when we get the subconscious on the table, then we move from being driven by things we're not even aware of to driving yeah. ourselves. right? We yes. make, all of a sudden we're making choices. Then number two, fix your thinking. So, so you've dealt with the subconscious. Now you need to deal with the conscious. You need to improve your decision-making. You need to improve your thinking. Mm -hmm. So understand how you think, why you think the way you do and fix it. Yep. That's the CBT or thought auditing. So we fixed our emotions. Now we fixed our thoughts. Great. Now we're coming at things because we choose them. We're thinking about them clearly and logically in the right way. Yeah. Now we just need to do step three, know what we want because we choose it know why yes. we want know what we want and why we want it understand what it takes do the work so there's our five yeah understand emotionally what's driving us fix our thinking 
create create the vision create the plan crap maps better than no map yep go do the work done five point plan easy wow absolutely easy that's awesome and before we wrap up because we're getting to the end here because i know you've got a drop you've got a a hard stop here but before you we, we jump off if you could have everybody in the world wear a t-shirt and i think i already know the answer to this question if for one day everybody in the world had to wear a printed t-shirt what would that t-shirt say get shit done get shit done i knew you're gonna say that that's <laughs> i already had a feeling that that's where it was gonna go but clint always a pleasure uh, to have a conversation with you thank you for being the first guest on the performance origins deep dive on this is the episode 16 of the sps podcast of the self-performance strategies podcast it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much can you tell everybody where everybody can find you where to check you out i'll put some stuff in the in the notes below but if you don't want any thought last thoughts and and just tell people where they can they can find you yeah you you bet brother and thanks for having me i always love talking to you the can find me on the world wide web at www.thegrowth.com dot guide on Instagram as the growth underscore guide and on Twitter as I am Clint Murphy. Insta will eventually change to that once I hit certain numbers and eventually will be on TikTok uh, as I am Clint Murphy. So uh, next step of the action plan, Steve, my wife's retiring. She'll be done in the next two months. And she's going to go full time on helping me build the business. So next time we talk, we can talk about why that shift and how that's contributed to the million uh, million follower number? Yeah, you're, you're bringing on a who. Yeah, we're bringing uh, to on, solve we're, how. We're turning into a team. That's yeah, right. love you love bet. love it, love it. That's great, exciting times for you. Any any last words? Any last thoughts? No, I I think people will have a lot to digest on this. You know, I know they can reach out to you. You and I have super similar mindsets, so. They can work with you on this. Uh, I'm not working with anyone at the at the moment down down the road. That's a plan. So you know, three years from now, if you're hearing this, give me a call and reach out. <laughs> I'll be but, sharp for you in three years. <laughs> yeah, right. at, the mo- at the moment, hit Steve or I up on Twitter. Find us in a space. Find it. Find us in the DMs. We're we're both open DM guys, and let us know how we can help you. Beautiful. Love it, Clint. As I said, always a pleasure. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining me uh, on this episode. I will speak to you very soon. All right, brother. Thank you. Thanks. That was the first deep dive episode of the Self-Performance Strategies podcast. Let me know if you enjoyed it. You can hit me up on my socials at Steve Timoney. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at S-T-E-V-E-T-I-M-O-N-E-Y. Or you can slide on over to the main website, check out all the podcast episodes and see everything else that I do coaching-wise at stephentimoney.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-I-M-O-N-E-Y. M-O-N-E-Y dot com. There will be more of these deep dive sessions to come as we grow on this podcast, as we grow and develop our conversations with leaders, executives, and business owners, all who have had immense performance journeys going from basically zeros to heroes. So stick around for more of these deep dive episodes and we will see you in the next one. Make it a good one.